Voted the third most livable city in the world, Adelaide truly is designed for life. In the Experience Adelaide podcast, hear stories from the people who are creating great experiences and opportunities in the CBD as we showcase the amazing events, hotels, businesses, schools and more right in the heart of our city. Wes Hettles and Adam Carpenter are distilling spirits right in the middle of Adelaide. They started Prohibition Gin on Gilbert Street in 2015 and in the years since, the distillery has gained a strong following and won many awards. Listen to Adam and Wes discuss how they have grown their business to now include a tasting room and a cafe. Plus, you'll hear them make a cocktail live on air. So just wait until you hear the pop of that gin bottle opening. It takes one back to lovely days of of prohibition and speakeasies and something kind of edgy. What was the story behind you two coming up with Prohibition Gin? I think it was Wes that suggested the name to me first. As a designer, I I I had a bit of a heart attack because it was... You know, it's a, na- a name steeped in history. And as if you're going to design for something like that, it really sort of ties you back to a, a point in time. Um, but the more we sort of embraced it and roll with it, like it really it gives us a lot to work with, doesn't it? Absolutely. For us, I guess the period was about bringing people together to give them a good time, good booze, maybe not so much good back then, but uh, certainly bringing people together to celebrate and, and, and have a good time. Yes, there was nasty things that happened during Prohibition, but... I guess the fundamental behind it was bringing people together. Bringing people together. Yeah. And and certainly that's something you've done because you actually have a distillery and... Tasting room. A yeah. tasting yeah. room in the CBD. Tell us about the origins of that. Well, I guess it all started back in my backyard, like, like uh, you know, a lot of good businesses did. Um, you know, we, we started with very simple, you know, really it was a, it was a bit of a... Uh, a passion project for Wes and I. We didn't know where it was going to go, so we uh, cracked open the garage uh, legally, of course. Legally, so we absolutely. Had, we had every every uh, state and federal approval we needed to to um, bottle gin in in my backyard. But it was sort of twelve thousand bottles later. We decided it was maybe time to move out of that little backyard. Um, and it was um, it was a friend that worked for Adelaide City Council at the time that said, you guys should really move into the city. And we, we hadn't really considered it. And it, it was very hard to find a piece of property. But as soon as we did find a property that had really good access to do what is quite, you know, it's, it's, it's production. Like it, it's, it's, it was always a production place first. So we found this, this beautiful old mechanics workshop that, that had uh, roller doors the whole way down one side. So there's plenty of access. Um, and then it, it, we we sort of decided that yeah maybe maybe setting up a bar was a good idea as well. Yeah, it was about maturing the brand. So having it going from this mystique brand that hit the market um, back in in 2015 with no front, no Adam and I disappearing in the background. So it was purely just the brand forward. Then have a place for people to come and connect with the brand and mature the brand. And um, I think it was a really exciting yeah. opportunity to see that. It was actually the central market that that probably was the, our first case in point in testing, could we have a, a consumer face? So we did a little uh, three-week producer in residence. Um, so early 2017, we still have people come in now and say, the first time I ever tasted your product was at the central market. 
I was just wandering through on my way to work and you guys were already serving and we and hey, let's let's try a gin. Let's have a Negroni at 10 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> as you do. But we, <laughs> oh, uh, as I wish I did. <laughs> but we look back at that and uh, it was it was still like one of the one of the best periods of business we ever did was was that that little little sort of frontage at the central market and our cut through in the in the local community went from from uh, sort of small recognition to 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 really sort of accelerate it very quickly. So we looked at it and said, okay, well, it it seems like if we build it, they will come, and um, that sort of gave us the confidence to back ourselves. And the great thing is we've been able to continue a sort of a thread there. So all of the food that w- that we serve is you know big grazing platters of fresh produce from the central market, and we really tell that story every time particularly when you've got tourists coming in and they love that, the fact that we're only a few streets from the central market and that we, we do have access to such amazing produce so close. Yeah, you really are sort of invigorating that southwest corner, aren't you? It was pretty quiet. Yeah, the vibe's certainly improved a lot. It has, it has. I mean, we've got, we've got Luke down at the Gilbert Street Hotel who was, was really embracing and glad that we came along. And then since then, yeah, we've had a, a bunch of little things Five pop up. Someday. So. I've got somewhere and we've got Madre doing wonderful pizza. And, yeah, it's it's changing all the time, which is great. Yeah, because it really is part of a city of growth, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. To see all these new developments yeah. and an understanding of hospitality, which I think is so important in emerging COVID times. To just give us a sense of how you see bringing people together. Yeah, the vibe just to be out is just elevated and the excitement yeah. to be out and the I guess the appreciation and realization that we're able to still get out is is just incredible. And I think there's a there's a sort of a, a tone of of appreciation I, I feel that hopefully it lasts for a while. <laughs> <laughs> but we certainly appreciate having people back in. So I mean that's Absolutely. Yeah, it's a big shift for us too. And that's what it's all about for us is is sharing our gin with people. Yeah. And education, and I'd like to get to the education, but before that, it's a case of you actually are running a distillery in the CBD. Well, I mean, I, you don't think <laughs> of CBD distillery. Well, you say that, but I guess if you go back in Adelaide's history, there was a lot of uh, little distilleries operating through the CBD um, 100 years ago. A lot ago. of the pubs it would distill their own product. Um, Did not yeah, know. Way, way back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a real harking back, back. to that that period of time. Um, but um, it, it is funny because some of the conversations we're having, it's like we're bringing production back to a place that production's been moving out of for a very long time. So, And the great thing about gin is we don't need a lot of space. So we can do a lot from a small footprint. Having said that, we've we just are. had to expand our footprint. So we've got another warehouse we're securing, but just down the street. So we're still in Gilbert Street with two two production facilities um, that we can walk between. Um, so it's very cosmopolitan, really. Absolutely. For what is essentially quite a, a um, you know, in, industrious little little hub that we've got there. Yeah, but it allows people to come in and, and see the production in, in, in full flight and see Mary, which is our still, um, operating and come in and work with our distiller and talk to our distiller, Hugh, and and really connect with the whole process and and see it from the the raw ingredients to what comes out at the still and um, to be able to have that experience in a CBD uh, it's it's great and it is a beautiful looking thing like I mean people quite quite often walk in as you know big copper pot still with all the copper pipes and uh, it's it's a bit of they sort of liken it to like a Willy Wonka sort of experience like it is it is a beautiful piece of only it's called Mary Mary yeah and. So named Mary after my stepmom. Um, in 2015, she passed away of cancer, and uh, Adam and I 
as good mates, came together and had a martini for, for mum. And I guess as part of that process, we went, hey, Adelaide's known for bloody good food, bloody good wine. Where's the spirits? And back then, there was literally five distilleries operating or five brands operating. Um, so we went, hey, let's have a crack. And in the in the process, I guess the the branding component that Adam brought to it and, and the, the appreciation of spirit and putting together a product that we could serve – um, the collaboration was just perfect. Yeah. So when it come to came to setting up a still in Adelaide, as soon as the still arrived, we didn't we didn't even have a conversation about what the still was going to be named. It was it was obvious that it was going to be Mary, welcome, Mary. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now you are obviously the leading edge at the leading edge of bringing gin into Adelaide. Right. Uh, right up early. there. Early. So, so I've got two questions for you. The first one is. How did you see and seize this opportunity? <laughs> yeah, look, for us, I think it was, as I said just before, it was that connection piece to knowing that as a Providence, South Australia is known for good food and good wine, um, and the spirit component was was a missing piece from our point of view. So to be able to get into that market and have a creative flair that we both have and to put our spin on it was something that we were just excited about. And it was a hobby to start with. It's a, a side hustle that we were having a bit of fun with. A $12,000, a 12,000 bottle, bottle hobby. That's right, yeah, yeah, from the backyard. <laughs> some, yeah. pe- some people just collect fridge <laughs> So, but, I mean, there were people like like John Lark in, in KI who yep. they were the true trailblazers. Oh, Kiss, of course. Yes, Absolutely. Yes. So, so John and Sarah were making spirit for, for many years before anyone else in Australia came along. So, I mean, they had uh, his brother Bill in Tasmania who who got the laws changed to be able to do yes, craft Yes, that was significant. Yes. So, and then John really was the, the leading edge with gin. So, John was the first craft gin distiller in Australia um, and certainly in SA, but sort of it was about six years later really before anyone else came along yeah. and then... We were, we were really only a year or two after after the, that sort of second wave started. And so that was made us sort of around about sort of the fifth in the Adelaide market. And now we're at... There's 56 distilleries. 56. I was going to say 55, Australia. but there's a new one every week. Yeah. So, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, what is it about South Australia? Because, I mean, gin's, gin's on the rise. Absolutely. Yeah. But there is something about South Australian gin. It seems to be punching above its weight. What is it? Look, I think I think the provenance of the the products that are available from produce that we can use and get our hands on is really important. But ultimately, I think it actually comes back to the people. So, as an industry, we are the most collaborative industry I've ever been involved in. Um, so we get together regularly and with other distillers in South Australia, and we call talk. each other daily and ask questions and help each other with things. We work together at events. We share botanicals if we're running out of something. Like we, yeah, it, it's very open and very sharing. Yeah. But, you know, right back to the, the base spirit that we use comes from the Brossa Valley and a lot of the distillers in South Australia use use that that same spirit producer out of the Brossa. Um, so you're talking great base spirit from one of the best wine regions in the world. So we've got a, a, an incredible starting point right there. The canvas is perfect. But then local botanicals, I mean, we try and use as many local botanicals as possible and, and you've got you know, such rich access to, like you said, it could be coastal botanicals like saltbush or samphire through to... The Riverland. The, the Riverland citrus yeah. through to your, your bush botanicals right up through um, Central Australia and, and you know, more edible and distillable botanicals than almost any country in the world. Yeah, and on a global scale, it's the first time that the globe's or the world's tried some of these native botanics from from Australia. So that combination of 
the quality plus these new flavor bases that we're bringing to the world is is what I guess is that unique elevation that we're getting hmm. and recognition that we're getting from consumers. Like a lemon myrtle leaf. You'll get more lemon flavor out of a lemon myrtle leaf than you will out of a lemon. Yeah. So it's and about that's 10 bit- times more yeah. lemony. And that's a botanical <laughs> that no other country in the world grows. Now, your growth, just let's get to growth for a moment because you, you mentioned the fact that you've got a second warehousing, mm-hmm. but you've also gone from just uh, your tasting room into bootleg. So clearly things are... are Continuing to rise in the southwest of the city. Tell us a bit more. <laughs> well, we we before we extended into coffee, we uh, opened a second bar next door. So we've got a, a a cocktail bar next door called Next Door, quite imaginatively. Which uh, that sort of happened as an organic thing of like we were expanding our production facility to from three hundred square meters out to to the full. 800 square meter site that we occupy and we sort of inherited this little bar that that we rather than uh, sort of let someone else operate it we decided well we, we can run an, another bar we'll just add something else to our things to do yeah um, and I guess but, it was about taking a unique offering that we had as a distillery with yeah. an education piece so we love what we produce but we also love what the rest of South Australia is producing as well and on the back of that we had a our own tasting room was filled with with many of our competitors' spirit, which is fine. But I guess what we w- realized is that people were visiting our tasting room or our distillery to visit Prohibition. So we wanted to elevate the Prohibition offering, but we didn't want to lose, I guess, that unique education piece of being able to highlight some of the great distilleries around the state. Um, so we took all those bottles and, and spirits next door um, so we can still have that education piece and still celebrate the great spirits that are being produced here in South Australia. But at the same time, really, I guess, elevate our offering and and give the the consumers and the customers exactly what yeah, they want. Yeah, just and gave they... a bit of clarity. So, so the tasting room becomes prohibition tasting room, and the cocktail bar next door has you know over two hundred different spirits they can try. 200. So, yeah, it, it it's it growing. Ma- it makes a real experience. <laughs> so now, now tell us because you you've mentioned a few times about the educational component of mm-hmm. all of this. Clearly, you're on an educational sort of mission, mm. if you like, for for your consumers. Just yeah. tell us how you're doing that. Yeah, so I guess it's how people can enjoy spirit because often people get intimidated because of the high ABV, um, the al- higher sorry, the high alcohol content. Um, so compared to beer and wine, and I think if I'm going to be drinking a 42 percent or 69 percent in our case um, <laughs> with our bathtub cut gin, that when they're mixing it, even with the tonic water, that they're can still consuming high alcohol. Where in actual fact. When you dilute it through a, a gin and tonic, it's it's bringing it's, it back down to a standard a, drink. Standard drink. Mm-hmm. So it's going through that process, not only to drink neat and how to drink something neat, but also how to mix it and enjoy it and not be intimidated by it. Yeah. So whether yeah. it's a, a gin flight, so all of our staff, we make sure they're they're incredibly knowledgeable. If they don't know the answer to the question, they they certainly know where to find the answer to the question. So. It starts at um, how is gin made and, you know, come and have a look at Mary in operation through to let's let's do a tasting flight. What are we tasting? What are the botanicals going into each gin? How do we mix it? What, what garnishes are we putting with it? It's a real learning experience and we treat that very seriously in terms of we have a lot of fun with it, but it's we, we really want people to walk away educated in, in how to serve gin. And the point is if someone has that education and how to serve something. And the confidence. They, yeah, yeah. They, they can then do it at home and replicate that experience for their friends and they, they feel great. They feel um, really sort of uh, empowered. knowledgeable and empowered. <laughs> yeah. 
um, and also just how to make a cocktail. Like we do, we do um, cocktail making classes in in next door. So some of those classic cocktails, like a, a martini, is not a hard thing to make. It's just it's an easy thing to mess just, up. Yeah, <laughs> it, but it's it is easy to mess up. So it's just what are the things that I need to remember to make sure I get the martini right every time. And uh, you know, just down to the gin and tonic. How am I garnishing my gin and tonic? Well, it depends on the gin. It depends on the botanicals and, and how much tonic am I putting into my gin? All those things that. Make type a of tonic. Yeah, yeah. It makes a huge so difference. There's a lot that goes into it, but we actually try and make it really simple for them. And that's that's the point is accessibility, really. Accessibility. Now we're going to have to get on to making. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> but before we get there, <laughs> yes. you started with Prohibition. You now have a stable. Yeah, we started with our original gin. Yeah. And, and look, that was an exercise in Wes and I looking at what was missing from the market. And, you know, we tried lots and lots of gins, as you do, doing research um, for <laughs> what we're going to make in a gin. And we, we drank every one of those gins neat and found that, you know, the neat drinking experience was actually the hard thing to find, something that presented well neat and would, would make a great, really dry martini. Yeah. So that was what we sort of sought out with our original gin. Um, but it did, you know, it, it means it resulted in a in a delicate and very very friendly, easy to drink gin. Um, but there's lots of other ways that you can go with a gin in terms of more robust, more cocktail centric, more you know higher ABV, different botanicals. So it is such a. I mean, what drew both of us to gin was the creativity that, that's involved in. It. I mean, I'm a designer, so I'm always looking for creative things to do. But it is the most Creatively, yeah. Once we've got juniper in the in the in the botanical mix, we, we're free to do whatever we like after that. Yeah, because um, juniper's a given, isn't it? Juniper's That's a given. Right. Who who determines that? The Dutch invented gin, so um, gin comes from Geneva, and Geneva comes from the Dutch name for juniper. So it was the Dutch that invented gin. It was the English that really sort of made it a, such a huge thing that it is these days. But uh, as a as w- with many spirits and wines, there's there's rules that go into what what must be in a product for it to be called that product. So yeah, there must be sort of a, a notional large quantity of of, of juniper, juniper. Has to be in, juniper in forward a, in in a, in a gin, and that's a berry. Yeah. Uh, it, it's uh, yeah, it's 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 a um, like a, a conifer cone actually. It's sort of um, so it, it's often referred to as a juniper berry, but it is from a a, a, a pine tree. Yeah. We get ours out of Macedonia, northern Macedonia. Does it go here? We are starting production of juniper, but you're talking probably twelve years before you're going to get a, a harvest from it, and then it's every second year that you'd be able to pick. Um, the fruit. So mm. the it is a growing industry. Um, we haven't quite perfected farming of it yet. But There's a natural plant called Boobiella, which I yeah. refer to as like an Australian native juniper, but it is it is different in nature. Um, but yes, it, true juniper, um, years away before Australia can produce. Now, before we start making a cocktail, is there anything else that I haven't asked you? Oh, you, you did touch like on the, the, you touched on the, on the cafe. cafe. So yeah. Yeah. Um, the, we thought about it for not very long because we About didn't five have minutes a, <laughs> and said right I think we're we're ready now we can we can take on coffee ourselves as an offering and really just with that philosophy that our the coffee's going to reflect what we do in our gin so it's yep. just got to be very good coffee um, and keep it simple which is I guess our approach to everything so um, we managed to turn around because I do branding stuff we I, we turned around a new brand in Two and a half weeks, new coffee machine, new staff, trained up, doors open, 
Yeah, two and a half weeks yeah. from from sort of idea to 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 operation. So it was a real COVID pivot. I hate the word pivot, but it was a real COVID pivot. pivot. We'd been doing a bit of pivoting around that time with uh, we were the first distillery in Australia to to release a hand, hand sanitizer. sanitizer. Yeah. Um, so that in itself was a was an exercise. But uh, yeah, ever ever since then, owning the the coffee side of things ourselves has been one of the best things we've done. Absolutely, because the client. Um, uh, it's our it's our experience. customer the whole whole way through. So yeah. from seven o'clock in the morning to eleven o'clock at night, um, we're able to take uh, our our customers and our friends that join us because they're our friends. They're not just customers along the journey, and they can have a coffee with us in the morning and a gin with us at, at night time or at lunch. Some um, of our biggest gin fans now experienced us for the first time tasting the coffee. because yeah. your your blackboard is rather wonderful outside. Because isn't it sort of there's an arrow that says harsh reality out there <laughs> pointing to the world. Yes. And what do you say is inside? Great coffee inside. Yeah. So it's great coffee harsh or harsh reality. reality. Take great coffee. coffee. Take, yeah. take, take your pick. So yeah. it is very much that sense of hospitality all the way. Yeah. yeah. Right. It yeah. really is. Yeah. And the team really go out out of their way to get to know the, the, the customers' names and make sure we know them face-to-face and know what their order is. And it's just that enjoyable experience that they can come in, they download, they talk to us, and we send them on their way with a smile on their face. Um, so, yeah, it's about having a good time. Yeah, yeah. And, and look, that education piece around gin can start at 7 o'clock in the morning. Like we've had plenty of people, while they're waiting for their coffee, they'll walk out the back and see Hugh running the still, our, our distiller, um, and, uh, yeah, next thing they've had a whole gin lesson before they've left at, you know, nine o'clock. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it is, it is a real experience. Um, and, and, and the lines do definitely blur between coffee and gin in the middle of the day where we're serving both and, and, uh, you know, just take your pick. So yeah, there's, there's no bad choices. <laughs> Tell us about your favorite cocktail. Right. Oh. So the, it was tough to choose a favourite cocktail in gin land. Yeah. Uh, our, our new favourite at the moment is a, is a product that we released, World Gin Day. So, yeah, 10th of 12th of June this year, Moonlight Gin. So I'm going to pop the top. Here we go. Perfect. Right. Love it. Love Beautiful. it. There's joy right there. <laughs> So Wes can talk about it while I start doing some yeah, pouring. So this is our latest release, as Adam just said before, released on World Gin Day this year. So um, it's a dark gin, so it's this deep purple gin. This deep purple gin um, that goes on a journey. So you've got this beautiful, uh, I guess, dark spirit that as we showcase it shortly, when under gin and tonic or with tonic, there's a reaction that happens to the colour and it goes from this deep purple to this vibrant uh, pink, which Adam will demonstrate in a moment. Um, and it's for us, it was about having some fun. So we've got a beautiful colour change, there, as Wes said, from from the deep purple to the the rich, vibrant pink. So there's a there's a few things at play there. We've got things like butterfly pea, pea flower, yep, the black goji berries, the hibiscus, which drive that colour change, um, but also help give this beautiful floral notes um, and fresh notes to the. The actual spirit itself, we use a different distillation process. So whilst Mary is a big part of everything we make and definitely uh, a part of this gin, we've also got uh, a newer distillation method, which is called a rotavap. So essentially we're able to distill under vacuum at a colder temperature. And the best way to understand it is because we use freshly pressed apples. Um, so instead of putting it through the still at 78 degrees and getting a stewed apple, putting it through the rotavap, we're able to extract it and get a fresh apple. 
So it's like biting into a fresh apple and that translates through to the gene. So we often talk about making gin as about being part art and part science. So, you know, the Rotovap is is sort of really cutting edge science in distillation where you're <laughs> distilling under a vacuum, whereas, you know, the artistry is, is you know, us us choosing how we work with those botanicals it is you know where we make the cuts with the with the heads and tails of the gin from the still yeah and um you know the, the steep the time all process. that sort of things yeah. yeah and the, yeah. the this one was a, a journey gin for us so we learned a lot about pink coloring through our mother's day gin so every year we bring out a seasonal mother's day gin um and another nod to mary yes um and for us it was about perfecting a pink gin without showcasing and being a pink gin on the outside. Um, and I think we've nailed it, as you can see there, that bright pink just brings joy to your, your face as you look at it. So this one we garnish with dehydrated um, pineapple, which is quite an unusual botanical um, for, for garnish, but it really brings that 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 beautiful vibrancy. Yeah. And it's sort of a, a fresh, fresh sort of summer. There's a bit of pims, but there's a bit of pina colada going on there. <laughs> but you've got this beautiful combination of sort of those those berry and, and um, rose and floral notes that that come through from that gin offset with that that beautiful brightness of the of the pineapple. Absolutely. And I guess for us when garnishing it's either extracting or highlighting a, a particular botanical within the spirit. Or in this case, because we don't use pineapple as one of our botanicals, it's about um, complementing the, the 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 list of botanicals that sit in there. And I think this just works exceptionally well. So all that's left to do is say cheers. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> we can go to Prohibition Gin and it's fabulous. Sure can. <laughs> Where else can we go? What else can we do? What can we explore within Adelaide? Yeah, well, I think I mean uh, we all know that the the small bar scene and and the and the hospitality scene in in Adelaide has been has been doing it tough. We often tend to be the ones that that make a lot of adjustment to the way we we host customers um, in, in during these COVID times. So it can relate to you know bars having to shut down because of capacity and and all of the rest of it. Um, so I think the the best thing you can do is is show your support to to the bar industry. I mean, the bar industry are, are our customers and our compatriots in 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 the Adelaide hospitality scene. So Absolutely. you know we we really love seeing people getting out into those small bars, trying you know all the amazing craft spirits coming out of South Australia in particular. And um, I think yeah, it, it really is a case of now we're open again. Let's let's get out there and show the love to to the operators because if we don't, they they. They won't be there when you do want to go and see them. So it's really about getting out and um, trying all the things that the SA has to offer um, and and showing the city some love. Yeah, exploring the city. And I guess with the tram itself, like we're the last tram stop in, in the city heading out one way. And, Very handy, Wes. Um, absolutely. And start here, start the journey with us and, and head into the city and have a good night and enjoy the rest of what enjoy the hospitality yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. enjoy the quality that, that we are so lucky to have here in this state. One of the newest products that we've got is our Giantina can. Um, so one of only two distilleries in the world to get a gold medal at San Francisco World Spirit Comps this year. Congratulations. Um, thank so, you. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, I guess that convenience without compromising quality um, is something that we're really proud of. And for us, um, creating a, a, a gin and tonic in a can format was like a three-year journey to not compromise the quality of the product that we put in a glass. So it was making that experience replicable 
in a can format so that it had the convenience but it did not sacrifice the quality of the product and hence the you know the international awards for it um it's moving into to wider retail very soon which is wonderful um but uh, i think the other thing is um you know we talked about su- supporting your your small bars get out there and support your 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 local and independent particularly bottle shops as well um, so the big guys are doing a great job of, of representing craft spirits as well, but your, your small independents within the city, you know, they've, they've, um, uh, they're doing it tougher than most because a lot of people are hanging out in their, in their local suburb and, and purchasing local there. Um, but when you come back into the city, you've got, you've got some great independent bottle shops that are doing, doing wonderful things. So showing our support there as well as, um, as out in the bars. Yeah, absolutely. Now, for anyone who's been listening has been seeing in their mind's eye the, the, the moonshine gin. They've been seeing the colour change. They've been hearing the sizzle and the sparkle. They've been seeing the botanical go in. They're going to want to go into Prohibition and say, I want one of those. What do they call it? Um, a- moonlight GNT. A moonlight GNT. A moonlight GNT. GNT. That's right. Absolutely. The color, the flavor. Um, it's it's something truly different in in uh, in in the market. So yeah, come in and see us. Um, you know, enjoy the hospitality. Meet Mary. Meet the team. Um, yeah, and uh, let them delight you with something that you may have never tried before. This podcast is brought to you by the Adelaide Economic Development Agency. Follow us at Experience ADL on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or visit experienceadelaide.com.au for everything you need to know about visiting, living, working, studying, and investing in Adelaide. <laughs>